Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 18 from Monday, December 3rd, 2018. My name is Joel Duggan. I almost forgot the date there. And joining me, as always, is my jolly friend, Johnny, who you also know as Pixel Riffs. Happy December, my friend. Bar humbug, etc. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good with December. I'm fine with it being December because it means there's only a few weeks left until the year starts to like the days start to get brighter again we, we get to that tail end of the year everyone in the beach in brighton burns a clock and we all go back to uh getting lighter days again which i'm more than ready for at this point i feel like winter is slowly grinding me down yeah it has been unbelievably dark yeah uh, i even tweeted about it the other day i turned a light on in my studio because i could not see what i was doing at 3 30 p.m Sounds, sounds like you're you're getting the same sort of thing we are. It's like it's dull during yeah. the day. We've still got scaffolding around our house, so upstairs in our house especially is dark. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it barely feels like it gets light some days, which sucks. Today is actually nice and clear, which is good. I think I, I look forward to the clear winter days a lot more than the the gloomy, dreary winter days where it feels like we never see the sun for a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I uh, I was mentioning to to folks in in the pre-show a little bit that I I was up uh, late last night. Uh, for good reason, though, uh, and that is because I was playing Minecraft, and I haven't done this in a long time. Uh, I, I actually booted the game up at about 11.30, which was maybe not the best idea. But, <laughs> yes, those late night uh, Minecraft sessions always well, tend to get away from you. And here's the thing is that I was excited. I Well, one, I couldn't sleep, but I also I also was excited about something that I'm doing in the game, and I haven't just played in a long time. I've been streaming I've done some recording, but I just, I haven't just kicked back and just played the game. And it was mm-hmm. really relaxing. Like I really, it was nice to kind of kick back, have a, something to do, have a lot of stuff to do. So you're never just kind of sitting there twiddling your thumbs. You just always had something to do next. And, and none of it was grindy. Uh, so what I was up to, uh, and we'll get back to this uh, maybe even more so next week, but I have been invited to join the Fasten server. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be talking to fix it next week on the show. But uh, I mentioned this last week because I was already talking with, with fix it about it. Uh, and so I am going to be a, we'll say casual member uh, because my time is a little bit limited. A good chunk of my Minecraft time goes to the spawn chunks. So I have to be careful with how much time I do, you know, spend on other servers and stuff. But I am absolutely blown away by spending probably just a couple hours you know, on the server, mm-hmm. uh, meeting everybody. I'm not going to get into, into the details because everybody else on the server is doing their announcement videos tomorrow. Yeah. So I don't want to, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, but when, when my video goes out, cause everybody recorded a little kind of like the, the server meet and greet yesterday, which was the first time I've ever done that. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, so all that kind of stuff is coming out on Tuesday. So you'll see everybody in the videos and everybody is going to be linking to everybody else. So it'll be very easy to find, you know, different views of what's going on on the server. Uh, but I did record a little intro on my own and log in and I saved it. I've, I've had login credentials for a week, but I waited until I could have my video recording the very first time that I stepped into Fasten. Mm-hmm. And dude, like I can't even begin, like I've, we've all seen it on the Wells Knight video. If you've watched it, you know, if you've watched fix it stuff, you've seen stuff in game. It is a different experience to be feet on the floor walking around in there oh yeah definitely 
Like I've I've, now, def- I've I've had like world downloads that I've seen after like the end of a specific server or some creative project somebody's been working on for a long time, and you've seen it in videos and even like rendered kind of versions of it. But when you actually yep. get down in there and you're exploring the world, it's a different experience. Actually, being able to control where you want to go, everything feels so immersive, especially with builders as talented as the folks on Vastin. Like, oh my goodness, yeah. man! I I mean, like I'm I'm flattered to be invited. I'm I'm definitely in in some very very talented company. Uh, also, good people. They're really fun and friendly. Uh, but something that I I think should be done more, and this isn't a criticism of any of the videos that I've seen, but when people do walk through world tours, walk. Don't yeah. fly around. Mm-hmm. Walking is so much more immersive. And I, on purpose, was walking around with my head down for a chunk of the time because I was playing on Vastin last night. I was helping them out by building a, uh, a, a bulk storage system for all the mining that's going to end up happening. And we, there's going to be tons. You've seen if you've seen the scale that the, that happens on the server. There's just there's a need for chests upon chests of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, surprisingly, I'm one of the more tactical people on the server. So I was like, well, all right, well that's. <laughs> I st- I don't feel yet that I've wrapped my head around where the artistic direction is happening this season. So mm-hmm. I want to uh, the easiest way for me to contribute early, early on was like, all right, well, I'm gonna want this. I think everybody else is gonna want this, and that is like a dump where you can just throw cobble, diorite, andesite, just just one chest, just dump it all in, and it just gets sorted, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna help with people's YouTube videos. So that's what I was doing, and I haven't done a lot of technical stuff in a little while in terms of like sorting systems and. So that was really, really fun. But I died. Um, and it was just something simple like falling off a ladder. <laughs> and uh, I had to go back to spawn. Well, geez, trying to find my way back. Like I had to ask somebody on the server for directions. And so there's all these little fast travel buttons. So you take the the boat at spawn that takes you to the port of Bray. And then you've got to walk around Bray to find the right boat that takes you to the, the new location. Careful not to spoiling anything. Mm-hmm. Uh but walking around Bray, which is, I think, the, one of the first things you see in, in the Wells Night Tour, like, it is absolutely massive. Yeah. Massive. Like, it, the last time I had an experience like that was my first time in, in New York City as a, as a human. <laughs> it, it, was, it, it is mind-blowing. So I'm, I'm going to be plugging it, I'm sure, uh, later dates when I've got videos and stuff up. But people should check out Fix It, F-I-X-X-T. Uh, sorry, there's an I, there's an extra I in there, too. Um, fix it 412, I think is his YouTube channel. Um, but it like, it is, it is just over the moon crazy. And there is a world download from the end of season two. So basically where we are right now in, on the server, yeah, you could download a version of it and walk around yourself. And I would really highly recommend it. It's, it's really, it's really inspiring and it opens your eyes to all the different things that you can do, uh, when you've got this many people all working on a joint server because and that's something that i yeah, sorry go ahead what you've signed up for is basically season three though right so you're you're all yes. teleporting a decent distance away and starting like a new area of the same persistent world is how i understand yes. it right cool yeah that's exactly it's, it's a persistent world uh they will not be updating to 1.14 until like 1.14 either comes out or is in like the very very late stages of pre-release because oh yeah they Optifine is used for the texture pack, and yeah, so the, the I, I, I wouldn't expect right them now, to to entrust that kind of world to snapshots anyway, because there's all kinds of no. like bugs that could happen that could end up corrupting stuff. You really don't want to do that until you've got a stable release. Yeah, no, exactly. And a lot of uh, Jersey Boy's custom texture pack that they have they have on the server is um, it uses Optifine for mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Yeah, so you've got you kind of have to have it. Uh, 
plus at the scale that everything is, I'm sure just even on people's, you know, monster computers, having that performance boost is probably a welcome yeah. a welcome thing, especially if you're making videos and time lapses and all that kind of stuff. Once everything gets built up, then yeah, it's, it's going to be a, <laughs> a heck of a yeah. lot of rendering for any computer to do at that So stage. one question bef- before I move on, and that is, um, have you played on a joint server where everybody is sharing resources before? No, I mean, other than the occasional shared resources on stuff like Decidedly Vanilla, it's never been just like a a single pool from which everybody pulls their stuff. I've only ever played on things where a lot of the time you do your own mining, you build your own storage system. Yeah, that kind of exactly. Thing. It is an eye-opening experience, and uh-huh. it really it really flags your brain as to how respectful you usually play like i don't go into other people's houses on the citadel i don't know i don't even open up chests i could but i don't you know unless they say hey the thing that you need is in my barn go get it yeah then i then i'm only looking because i'm looking for the right thing but it is such a it it's a weird feeling to go in there and be like oh man like i need this and you're like oh here's a chest full of like diamond blocks i'll just make my pickaxe and make my axe (laughs) like so i mean it literally takes you a couple minutes and it it takes you an hour to get used to that mentality of like, oh, I'm out of logs. Uh, there's a chest full of logs. Yeah, like no, I'm 20, sure. Yeah. 20, 20 blocks away and you just go take what you need. And it's funny because people are coming and going and doing their own things and building walls and digging tunnels and, and landscaping. So these things, like as fast as you take from these chests, they're being refilled. So, you're, you know, like even if you take the last oak tree, you're not you're not leaving anybody in the lurch because somebody has already planted some some more trees elsewhere, right? Like it's just a matter of time, minutes yeah. before before stuff comes in. And it's it's a really, really cool experience. Uh, the only thing that I find is, is I won't say cumbersome, but it's an interesting dynamic is that the Discord is very busy because everybody is constantly <laughs> yeah. like, is this okay? Does this look good? Is this like, if there's a lot of like just double checking with everybody to make sure you're not stepping on anybody's toes and Especially stuff like that. Especially before you've established a rhythm for whatever they're building in that area as well. Like everybody's going to be well, swapping yeah. like build pallets and like, is this okay if there's specific blocks that they want to avoid because they wouldn't mm-hmm. be from that region or whatever law they've set up for the world has to be abided yeah. by at this stage. And yeah. I imagine as the world expands, that's got to get a lot more complicated to manage. There's going to be somebody who's like a law keeper for the entire place, you know? Well, and that's and that's one of the main rules is that you can't build anything without considering how it ties into the lore. So everything sure. has to have a purpose, which in my mind makes building things a lot easier. Right? Yeah. Like if you've got a... I mean, even as something as simple, we'll move away from Vastin just so I don't get into any kind of spoilers. But like, even <laughs> if you're using something as like a power source or you've created this steampunk world where everything has to be run by furnaces or whatever it is, then you know that every time you build something, a furnace or a fire or some sort of like fuel system has to be part of that build, whether yeah. it's an, a steam engine or an airship or, you know, a, a spaceship or whatever it is. But it gives you that core element of design that you have to then solve the problem around and as a visual designer myself like that's the fun of designing is someone gives you a set of criteria like it has to fit in this space and it has to use these company colors but beyond that come up with your own ideas but it gives you some parameters to work within uh and that's the last thing i wanted to mention is that i'm using vastin uh as an excuse to do more art streaming so i'm going to be trying to contribute to the server not just in minecraft i'm going to be trying to do some concept art live on twitch uh, as people say like, Hmm, I don't know what to do for this house. I'm just like, well, let me just, let me take an hour and just see if I can't flush something out. They don't have to be perfect because I mean, ultimately it's going to be built with blocks in Minecraft, yeah. but it's one of the things about this, this idea where I approached 
fix it with this thought and say like, look, I, I can only really do this if I can also kind of use Vastin in the lore and maybe kind of help by doing a personal project because it's something that I've been battling with lately as an artist. And he was like, yeah, dude, that sounds fantastic. So, so that's something else that's, I'm hoping to bring something different to the Minecraft table by also being, you know, like a, a visual artist. So it should be, should be a lot of fun. That all uh, sounds awesome. But, I'm yeah, really looking forward we'll to seeing into, what comes out of this. Thanks. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm excited, obviously. And this is why I was up until two o'clock in the morning playing Minecraft is because I just, I, I let loose. I just, I was having fun. I wasn't recording. I was just doing something for a community and it was, it was a really good time. Um, but I'm really looking forward to doing a recording of actually walking around in, in Vastin mm -hmm. and, and experiencing a good chunk of it for the first time. It's going to be, it's going to be some fun content. Uh, but we will talk in depth for anybody that has a lot more questions. Fixit is going to be a guest on Spawn Chunks next week. So we'll talk to him about all the lore and the details and all the cool things that he's been doing over yes. there, which I'm looking forward to. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll have to make sure to uh, check out some of the videos that are coming out this week then so I can get up to date. So you guys uh, yeah. don't leave yeah, me yeah, behind yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and there's you can also download the world and just kind of walk around too. Yeah, for sure. It'll be uh, be fun to do that. So that's my giant spiel. What have you been up to in Minecraft? <laughs> Apparently, relatively little compared to you this week. No, I um, th thinking about the uh, you were saying like the bulk storage kind of thing and having that uh, that constant like you know stream of resources coming at you, especially because I think you've mentioned previously there are some dudes in Vastin who just log on and mine for a couple of hours to provide resources for the builders. And mm -hmm. that's something I'm having to combat a little bit in the Minecraft Survival Guide, which is now my kind of main single-player series, and something I've been concentrating on more and more over the last week or so, because the views on Decidedly Vanilla, I don't want to get into the kind of view count game when it comes to YouTube stuff, but things, sure. things are starting to tail off a little bit, and I think a lot of the other players are finding that they get busy around this time of year, or, you know, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. their interest in Minecraft is slipping slightly, just their attention is, is going elsewhere. So I've been focusing more on my single-player series and building up this kind of tutorial world that I've been running people through the progression of the survival game. And now I'm getting to the point where I've just fought the Ender Dragon, and that went really well and now i'm leading up to kind of building project and actually starting some kind of law for my own world and the problem i'm coming up with is that even on multiplayer servers when we don't share resources i find that i'm spending more time on there because it's a social thing i can just kind of hang out and mine for a little while maybe talk to people in discord or in the chat and right. i will be happily mining for a while whereas if i'm mining for ages on a single player world i feel like hey shouldn't i be recording this shouldn't there be some kind of content being generated here and mm. it's just me mining and i don't have any means to go to another player and buy some resources from them that they might have gotten so i'm having to start off with things like smaller builds and gathering resources from a strip mine and that kind of stuff and i think i i've got to the point where i need to maybe focus on building like a, a storage system of like a larger storage area first and just keeping on filling it because I find myself lacking materials all the time. And on the scale that I like to build now, I'm finding myself running up against that that problem. <laughs> but um, Dude, yeah, I hear you. The best decision I ever made was putting uh, an automatic bulk storage system in my beacon mine in the swamp on the Citadel. Yeah. You just, you don't have to think. You just you it for the lack of a better term you pump and dump like you just yeah. you go in there with a pickaxe you blast through something on a 10 minute coffee break and you put everything in a chest and then when you log in the next day everything is in the right place like that 
that makes things a lot easier. And that's the other thing about wanting to pace myself with the survival guide is that I don't necessarily want to go ahead and fight the Wither immediately after the Ender Dragon. I kind of want to leave oh, that a little yeah. while, but then I don't have myself a beacon, so I can't do any insta-mining. Uh, I also don't have an iron farm, so I don't necessarily have enough iron to make all the iron blocks to make it a full beacon anyway. And so it's which which one do I go for first? You know, do I go for the beacon and then say, well, now I need to build an iron farm or at least gather enough iron from the environment that I can make a full beacon base for it and then explain mm. all the mechanics that go into that? Do I make an automated storage system and then have to do a bunch of kind of looking into how the redstone for that is going to work and then explain how to do that on camera? It's all leading towards content, but it's just organizing which thing to do which first. Which thing comes first. It's yeah. funny, we just had that, uh, I can't remember who in our Discord, it might have been uh, Dosage, uh, was asking about uh, what farms do people build first. Yeah. That or it might have been Mana Chaser. I can't remember. One of the two, They were, both of them were very involved in, in the conversation. But what farms do you build first, you know? And if you want to do storage system, I'm going to suggest maybe you do an iron farm first because yeah. the hop the hopper pain is real yes, <laughs> without an sure. iron farm. And I think an iron farm would be a good project because it's not something I've built before. I've already found a village that I could bring villagers back from so I can explain a bit about mm. how that works or maybe cure some zombie villagers, which is something I've hinted at in Survival Guide but haven't gotten into the mechanics of yet. And yeah, there's there's a lot of different approaches I can take, but the main thing I want to do now is building. But moving away from that, uh, going back to what I was saying and what's actually going to be our main discussion topic for this episode, I fought the Ender Dragon and it went really well, which is something that I don't find myself saying all that often. There are usually hiccups in a dragon fight when it comes mm -hmm. to, you know, either Endermen get involved and you end up taking too much damage and or the dragon flings you off the island and into the void. I actually had somebody call me out on one of my videos uh, previously where I'd said, oh, okay, I'm probably going to go into the end with all of the diamond armor and stuff that I've got on, like bring my best gear to the fight. And they said, dude, really? Because you're probably going to lose that if you just fall into the void. And I think I went back on that in the following episode where I was actually preparing for the dragon fight and said, you might want to take some of your second rate armor just in case something bad happens. But then mm. when it actually came to the dragon fight itself, I was going in all guns blazing, explaining how to do everything as I went, and it went off without a hitch. And people in the comments were even saying, dude, this was a masterclass. Like, you've actually done really, really well. And yeah, nice. I, I, I was quick to kind of you know, get, get humble in the comments and just say, look, my, uh, th this, this was a textbook dragon fight. I will appreciate that, but it has gone bad for me in the past very, very quickly. Like in, in this case, you know, sometimes how the platform will spawn outside of the end island and sometimes you'll just mm -hmm. be standing there in the void. Didn't happen this time. I was directly under the island, knew exactly where I was going, managed to take out some of the towers with snowballs and eggs and stuff. Oh, so wow. I was, yeah, I was, I was really going for it and, and it paid off. But uh, it, it seems to have emboldened a few other people in my comments to actually go and fight the dragon who were getting a little bit nervous of that, who were kind of you know, building it up in their heads to be something like insurmountable as an obstacle. Mm -hmm. But uh, you got to go to the end, man. you got to go, go find those shulker shells, go find those elytra. So yeah, I was pretty happy with it. And ultimately, it allows me to open up the end game of Minecraft in Survival Guide series now and go ahead and do some other stuff. So I'm excited nice. for that. But that's been my week. That's been preparing for uh, fighting the dragon and then the aftermath of that going to the end cities and everything. 
Well, I think too, like once you start going to the end cities, that'll also kind of aid in your in your next step of building. Like before you have a storage system, you can at least have a couple of shulker boxes. So like if you yes. need to go mining and not have to worry about filling up your inventory, you can at least fill up your shulker boxes with, you know, important items. And, and I think that like is that. The, the next step is showing how useful shulker boxes can be for a whole variety of stuff before I even get into how to automate them and stuff. Just going, hey, this is a portable inventory that you can carry around. Um, mm hmm. The yeah. other thing I it need must to take, do... It must take a lot of work to boil Minecraft down. Like as, as, as much experience as you have with it, it must be really an interesting challenge to say, okay, if I was brand new to the game, yeah. like what do I need to say about like just, just a shulker box would be a whole episode. <laughs> yes, that has been the main challenge. I actually just uh, like today's episode was about the controls uh, because I figured I would probably, it, it would be oh, better right. for me to do an episode where all of the stuff is in one place. And people have already seen me switching around items in my inventory, lightning fast, using number keys to swap stuff in and out of my hotbar. You know, the, the kind of thing where you hover over something in your inventory and you just press a number and it goes straight into the slot without you having to shift click it or kind of click and replace things. Mm -hmm. And th these are some keyboard shortcuts that I, I, I watched Etho do that, I think, probably two years ago. Also, and I thought, how is he doing that? Because it's all happening so quickly, and it doesn't seem like he's actually picking up any of the items. They're just moving themselves, mm -hmm. and I think that's something people overlook when it comes to you know the the way Minecraft works. Same with the middle click to pick block in survival. Like it works in survival, where previously it only worked in creative. So yeah, explaining stuff like that to people made sense before we start these big building projects because I'm going to be doing a lot of that stuff, switching around blocks and stuff in my inventory, and I want people to understand how I'm doing that before they get completely confused and get left behind. But mm, yeah, I, realized... I, had that pro I had that problem for me. Like, a uh, pick block wasn't working because of the way that my mouse was set up. Sure, yeah. So I, it didn't even work in creative. So it was like, I was watching somebody do this. Thing. I was like, what, what do you mean? What, what's pick block? Yeah. <laughs> so then I, I looked into, the, I looked into the, the settings and I found it. And then it still wasn't working, which then, of course, led me to say, okay, well, if it's not Minecraft that's the problem, it's probably my hardware. And sure enough, I had, I had it assigned to something else in, in the Mac OS and it wasn't... Uh, letting go of that command when yeah, I was playing sure. Minecraft. Yeah, Minecraft wasn't so, overriding it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's tricky that way. Yeah, but going back to what you were saying, it's really difficult to explain some of that stuff verbally when it's become second nature to me because it's it's all stuff that I do on a daily basis, but if I have to actually put it down in a concise amount of words, this is what this does. I ended up doing so many takes just for that video because I kept starting to explain it and then getting tripped up by it and saying, no, is that actually what it does? Or, you know, is that just how mm. I kind of justify it in my head? Am I like, am I not explaining this thoroughly enough? And so, yeah, th there were a bunch of different takes of that video that got left kind of on the cutting room floor. And I think that even led to me missing out a couple of details that I mentioned in one take, but then the take wasn't good enough. And so I went back and did something else, but left that information out. So I've immediately got people right. mentioning in the comments, oh, you forgot to say that if you click and drag with something, it splits the stack into an even number of different stacks. And yeah, I, <laughs> I ended up leaving out a couple of things, but it is really difficult. I think the main challenge of doing Survival Guide for me has been expressing how stuff in Minecraft happens in my own words, because I take so much of it for granted at this point. But having mm -hmm. having this amount of experience almost works against you because it's all stuff that you just go, that's the way it works because that's the way it's always worked rather than thinking about how yeah. new players would experience that. I experience that when I try to, when I'll, I'll draw on stream and someone will ask me, you know, a really basic question about Photoshop or, yeah. or what I'm doing. And if it's about art, I'm not too bad because I've done workshops before for for well not young people but like you know kind of 
middle school age folks. Sure. So you do have to break it down to, you know, parsable, you know, information. Uh, but every once in a while, like technical stuff in Photoshop, I'm just like, I don't even remember what key I'm pressing to yeah. switch tools. Like it just, yeah. it's a hotkey muscle memory. It's like, I use my keyboard like a Nintendo power glove when I'm in Photoshop. Yeah, no, totally. You know, like I just, you know, it just, it's one of those things that's just second nature. And I think gaming is probably the, probably the same way. It becomes uh, but like, with it all the, becomes an extension of your hand kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, and the, the hard part I would imagine with all these new features coming out yes. <laughs> is that some of the things that you're teaching, you're going to have to pull a yoda and tell everybody to unlearn what they have learned when <laughs> yes. these new blocks came out I'm, I'm looking forward to villages especially and let's get into the yeah. snapshot for this week because there is yeah. some some village news um so this was a snapshot 18w48a slash b because mm-hmm. that isn't more complicated than it needs to be uh, <laughs> yes the b snapshot uh, once again just a couple of bug fixes for what yeah. came out in a which was the yeah, yeah. the main content so there's some changes to villages uh which i didn't really get a chance to check out, so I'll let you kind of cover those. But I did see the grindstone functionality, and mm. I was surprised that it's still combining tools. Yeah. Um, but not not that I'm not surprised that it's it's a it's an early game thing. Like I, I'm glad that it doesn't cost XP. I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to use the grindstone, maybe it's going to cost me XP, kind of like an anvil then, does. Yeah. Yeah, but then I thought, well. But then it's just the same as an anvil. So having it not cost XP makes it like an early game anvil. Like before you have enough iron to make an anvil, you can absolutely make a, uh, a grindstone. Yeah. And, and, and I thought that was kind of cool. Those kind of simple tool repairs were done in the 2x2 two two crafting grid or a crafting table before this as well. So it's yes. removing the functionality from that. And this is borderline what I started to get worried about of it removing functionality from the crafting table that sort of made sense for it to be there. But... A grindstone does sort of make sense in world in that you're combining these two things. You are essentially using bits of one to kind of sharpen up the other and just being able to, you know, smush two swords together in a crafting table doesn't feel quite as immersive, I think. So no, it, it's, 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 it's something that at least makes sense. The The more exciting element of this for me is the fact that grindstones can also remove enchantments with the exception yes. of curses and this will give players XP back. Now, that is interesting to me because uh, you get people cycling through the enchantments on an enchantment table just by enchanting something like an iron pickaxe or a wooden shovel or some tools they've got lying around that they actually don't want the enchantments for, but they just yep. want to cycle through whatever's coming up on the enchantment table until they get Silk Touch or Fortune 3 or Looting or whatever, any of the more right. desirable enchants. And now there's no need to just burn the same kind of like five or six wooden shovels over and over again because you can get some experience back from those. So you can actually enchant something and depending on how valuable the enchant is i imagine the amount of xp is going to vary so yes that's true in theory yeah you can enchant them with whatever you want i don't i don't think you'll get all the experience back of course but no it will at least a fraction it'll it'll trickle back in and potentially that could also you know have some conflict with if you've got like mending armor or something on then it might end up mending the armor instead of giving you the xp back that you wanted so you might have to be a little careful with that but Mm. it's good functionality i like that and it's also the functionality we were going to be getting from mob c from the mob vote a couple of years ago it was going to be a creature that could disenchant items for you so it would eat the enchantments and spit back out the raw item was the, the the suggested functionality of it so now we're getting that in block form which is almost as good. Like I liked the design of the creature, but the fact that we still get that functionality without them having to add this mob into the game that they said they wouldn't, it it makes me happy. It, it makes me think that they've they've come up with more inventive solutions to that than just well we'll discard this whole idea. 
Mm-hmm. No, I I agree. I think it looks I think it looks like a, a cool functioning block. It's not hard to build either. It's uh, two planks, two sticks, and one smooth stone slab. Worth yeah, noting that's... that you can use any planks, and of course sticks are sticks. But yeah. there's no there's no other slab that'll work. Like you can't use a cobblestone slab. It has sure. to be. And this isn't sorry. I shouldn't say smooth stone slab. I should say stone slab. So it's <laughs> yeah. one of the new. It's one of the new uh, 1.14 slabs. Yes. Uh, that are not yet in the game. So I thought that was an interesting, interesting tidbit. I I'm wondering if it because I don't. I remember watching one very quick video about it, but I don't remember in what order it removes enchants. Like, does it remove one at a time? Does it remove them all them all at once? Because some of the pet peeves that I have is like you get like a sharpness for sword, but it also has fire aspect on it. And you're like, oh, yes, it's not what I want. Um, so I don't know whether you can say remove one enchant, but not the other. But I don't think that's a possibility. I was thinking that maybe instead of putting two shovels together on a grindstone that you would be putting whatever the shovel is made of. So like a shovel plus iron equals you're fixing the iron shovel. Yeah. Uh, but I, again, like I can, I can also appreciate the simplicity of just putting in two of the same thing. Yeah, and I think it's it's trying not to overlap with what anvils do, which is that kind of repair something with more of right. the same material. Like more I don't, I don't material. do it often because most of the time the stuff I'm repairing is just a pickaxe where it makes more sense to combine two pickaxes anyway because using three diamonds doesn't repair quite as much durability. But yeah. Um, yeah, it says has the ability to remove all non-curse enchantments from an item for each enchant removed, some XP is reimbursed. So it doesn't really reveal from what they've gotten on this the snapshot change log um, if that's going to be one enchantment at a time. I imagine it would be all of the enchantments at once. I haven't actually had a chance to drop in and play around with them because I've been so focused mm. on making you know videos in the current version of Minecraft. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting yeah. to see if that develops any more and if more functionality for the next set of blocks gets added uh, relatively soon. Because if they've got that figured out already, then presumably they have some idea about what the other blocks are going to do as well. Yeah, I'd like to see an update on the UI too on the grindstone. I mean... It it sort of makes sense, but it was also it makes sense for the combining and the fixing of tools. It really didn't make sense for removing the the enchant. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping they come up with a better a better way to do that. Like having you know uh, even just an image of of a crafting not a crafting table of a enchantment table. You know, not not that it's you're gonna have to have it near one, but like to have an image of something that just says enchantment to you in the UI. Yeah, I think would be a good a good way to to handle that making it a little more kind of pictographic and stuff and yeah yeah just kind of yeah, expl yeah, yeah. explaining it without having to use too many words or without yeah, you having to yeah. have you know prior knowledge so it doesn't become like mm -hmm. an esoteric thing um so what happened with villages villages are getting new designs all over the shop right now so we've seen uh we've had a look at the desert village first because that was the one that was shown in the um the minecon announcement so that one was redesigned although we're not sure if those designs are necessarily final um, the Acacia Village was teased by Lady Agnes on Twitter last week or the week before, and now we actually have a Plains Village in this latest snapshot. And they're starting to trickle through. They already start to feel more organic to me, uh, because maybe it's just a refreshing change from the structures we're already used to, but there feels like there is a lot more variety. In fact, like, you know, definitively there is more variety. If you look at the library of different buildings, there are a few people who've showcased the sheer amount of buildings that the village generation can pull from. You're probably never going to see the same village twice. There are maybe, you know, 
16 to 20 different houses that this village can possibly have give or take you know there's wells and things like that there's there are structural elements to a village that aren't just houses but there are a bunch of different designs and they are using materials that are relevant to the surroundings give or take i think each one of them that the plains village at least seems to have some uh terracotta in there not glazed terracotta but the stained clay variety uh and it's just got white terracotta in there so it sort of fits with the pastoral kind of planes thing it just looks like plaster wall or something like that something fairly basic and the rest of them are built out of you know oak wood and stuff like that stuff that is easily accessible to them in a planes there are animal pens and stuff like that you know so little things that you know hint towards there being infrastructure for a village you know it makes sense that there's an animal pen around if the village has a butcher uh the same with the farms that have always been there but i think the farms are getting a bit of an an overhaul a redesign and mm -hmm. some of them like we saw in the um acacia village the, the savannah village uh, image they're they're looking a little bit more organic they're just kind of in patches rather than being organized raised bed kind of farms which i don't know mm -hmm. if i like yet i i think i'll probably get used to that um yeah it, it takes a little bit of getting used to i think but i mean part of that is just like you know it's a change and like you have to take some time to decide whether it's a, a good change or a bad change uh one of uh, our more te technical uh, members in our discord for the sponge chunks uh took the time to explain how the jigsaw blocks work and yes. how that works with uh with villages i, I believe it was uh tiskin and i wanted to give him uh, a shout out because it was explained very very well and it seems to like they they work in that each village module or or house we'll say for this lack of an easy term to talk about has a front and a back you know has a door uh and uh and a, another side to it and the way that the pathing in the village construction works is that the paths will have jigsaw blocks that will only accept the front of houses so you can't have a house be backwards yeah with its back towards the path the front of the house has to be towards the path and there's a lot more detail in the in the discord and uh, i just it, there's even a, i think he even posted a, an image and it makes total sense and it just it really i think is going to make the villages unique as you said yeah yeah and, and it's going to make them feel structurally that like they make sense uh instead of current villages which have tendencies to do weird stuff occasionally uh, some of the structures also have the new blocks in them, even though they, they don't have functionality yet. So we saw on the Acacia village, there was a um, a kind of well that had the two bells on either side of it, on, on, on the opposite corners. Um, there is a house in the Plains village that has a chimney, and it's a sizable chimney that contains a blast furnace. Blast furnaces don't have any kind of functionality yet, but it looks like the grate in front of like a stove like a wood-burning stove right. kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So they've at least started to incorporate those into these houses. And this is starting to hint at what I hoped they would do with these in the specific types of villages might be, uh, villagers, sorry, might be, you know, directed to go to those houses by the AI because there is only one of these, uh, you know, crafting stations or whatever they're going to be, one of these new blocks in each of the houses. And they're not in every house yet, but I noticed there was a... a house with a bookshelf that wasn't necessarily like the same library format that we've had with the current village houses but it had a couple of bookshelves under the stairs also had a lectern in the corner so maybe that's the one that the um the librarian villager goes to uh, i think mm. another house even had a cartography table so they they're definitely right. in there right now and they seem to be split up between these different houses and whether that's just a fun way of generating the you know the the new blocks in there 
then that, that remains to be seen whether it actually has any effect on the villagers, which have not changed very much yet at all. Although I did notice a couple of them had different trades, like the trades were appearing in a different order, but I think that's still just them messing with the code but not having completely overhauled trading yet so i'm not ready to right. make any judgments on that just yet mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it makes me wonder though what restrictions might be put on something like the blast furnace if it's encased in a healthy looking chimney um, for aesthetics in a village maybe that also indicates that it can't just be out in the open or just right next to your wood wall in your build because maybe the blast furnace would light things on fire if it's not having it in stone. having it be a multi-block structure kind of like a conduit or a beacon is quite Ooh. an interesting concept I thought yeah. about that yeah you know, i was just thinking about fireproofing but but yeah <laughs> sure. having it having it need to have cobblestone around it on three sides or four sides in order to even work that's interesting too and there's precedent for them having done that in the recent update and people love conduits like conduits are a really mm. interesting thing and people have built really interesting surroundings for them now that they exist and have they these specific parameters they have to have in order to operate so if they do the uh, same thing with a blast furnace or if I don't think that it's going to be the same for all of these blocks. Like, I don't think you're going to have to have a lectern near bookshelves for it to be able to hold a book. But the, there are some things like for the Blast Furnace where it might make sense. So, mm. yeah, that's that's an interesting concept. I quite like that. Uh, again, remains to be seen. This is all speculation at this point, but it's, it's good to have uh, <laughs> occasional uh, thoughts about this kind of stuff. Um, the other thing I noticed about villages is that several houses have chests now instead of just the blacksmith. Um, the chest contents seem less valuable. They're pulling from a loot table that's only really got like apples and bread and wheat and stuff in instead of blacksmith chests occasionally having diamonds and obsidian and armor and stuff like that. But mm. it definitely helps immersion. It provides incentive for exploration. You can go into basically any of these houses and, you know, rifle through these villagers' possessions if you feel like being that guy. Um, and, <laughs> and also, I imagine the loot tables will be editable, like all loot tables are now. So you should potentially mm -hmm. find that you can edit village loot tables to put new stuff in there if you find the current loot a little bit boring but again that's right. in development so it could all change at some point in future i really like the idea of how open they are to like loot tables and data packs and and now this jigsaw block like can you imagine how cool mods or maps will be when players can just focus on building a really cool tower or a really cool set of like six or eight houses and then use the jigsaw block to like randomly place towns throughout their their RP yeah. server or their or their map like that. That it's it's basically I mean Minecraft more and more as we learn more about these snapshots to me and this is me being new to the game is becoming almost its own game engine right yeah. like it's it's really becoming something you can get super creative with it kind of makes me wish i had a 36 hour day <laughs> <laughs> yes for sure no it's 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 been that since command blocks were introduced i think and people started making mini games based on what command blocks could do and now they are starting to support that and it like you say it's starting to become more like modded like the only the the only other example of this kind of thing i can imagine is uh mods like recurrent complex and roguelike dungeons which adds new structures to the world themselves but they do that through modding them in rather than them being implemented in vanilla so yeah you'll 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 find random dungeons sort of throughout the world and they're nothing like the existing minecraft things but you can imagine them doing something like that just given the tools in this latest snapshot with like you say jigsaw blocks and so forth you can assemble a big palace out of those if you've got the right sort of set of structures you can make your own yeah. procedurally generated ocean monument style thing if you want to as long as you have 
the jigsaw blocks to tell everything where to go. Yeah, really, really cool. Uh, speaking of all these new blocks, we should probably move on to chunk mail. And we've got a message from Dylan uh, about the new block textures. Yeah. Uh, Dylan says, hey guys, what are your thoughts of the new crafting blocks Minecraft has in the old programmer art? Uh, as we will have the choice to use whichever textures we want, I will be sticking with the old school Minecraft look. What are your thoughts on the new blocks in the new textures belonging with the old textures? So what do we think about the the textures that they're applying to, yeah, for example, these new grindstone and cartography table and that kind of stuff, sticking with the old texture pack? Because that is something they plan on doing, right? Once they release the new textures, they, they weren't sure if it was going to be like a toggleable option or if they were going to just release the old textures as a download. And they weren't going to keep updating the new textures in the old style. So eventually there might be a bit of a, a disconnect between the two. But it's possible for people to stick with the Minecraft they know instead of updating to the new textures mm -hmm. when those eventually come out. For me, I think the new blocks look like they match Minecraft no matter what texture you're looking at. Uh, they're new. I'll give them that. And that's yeah. the thing. Like every, anything new is going to be a little bit off. But I mean, you can't necessarily say that the first time someone saw an enchanting table, they thought, oh, that's totally default Minecraft. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> like that, it, there's a floating book on it. Uh, so I think that the, some of the some of the we'll say itch to um, to move away from the new blocks is probably just because they are a bit of a change. Uh, I don't necessarily well i'll say it straight out i don't think that the new blocks deviate from core minecraft uh in their textures and color palettes like mm -hmm. there's a bunch of different woods but it's all default wood like it's all dark oak and acacia and birch and like you know for the, the fletching table is is birch and the crafting table or is now is oak and I can't, I think it's the smithing table that's dark oak or the smithing table might be its own color, but one of them, the cartography table, excuse me, is, is dark oak. So they're all, they all look like they're made from default Minecraft blocks, like day one stuff that you can, you can absolutely pick up. Uh, so I, I think it's really, I think it's really interesting that they're adding new textures to the game, but still very much keeping them look like they're default Minecraft. Yeah. I, I was kind of surprised when they first started retexturing things and they said that the, the art style of Minecraft had become inconsistent. And I thought, you know, I, I figured they were always developing new textures with the existing textures in mind. So the fact that adding purple blocks and prismarine was somehow different to the way Minecraft quote unquote used to look was just not a consideration I had even had. Um, and and it was it was always just Minecraft moving forward. And it, there, it, them adding new stuff didn't necessarily make it feel like it had moved away from the original art direction of Minecraft. But you know, having seen a few of these texture updates rolling in, I don't know if I necessarily call them like unified yet, but I think it's an interesting change. I'm still very kind of interested in seeing where it all goes. I can imagine some players will want to stick with the classic Minecraft textures. I don't see a problem with that. Like you, I don't think any of the new textures really feel out of place in an old looking Minecraft world. Mm -hmm. And it would have to really progress beyond you know, 16 by 16 textures for that to happen for me. And, and they don't plan right. on doing that. It's like, no. if suddenly something was like HD photorealistic in the middle of my Minecraft world, then, you know, that, that would look out of place. But I don't... Be weird, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I can really imagine things looking significantly different. It's, it's the same with modded stuff. You know, like, if I, I look at some of the, you know, the textures of machines that are added in you know industrial craft and thermal expansion and any of the kind of technical mods even stuff like thorncraft where it goes really outlandish into magic mods and you know runes of power and stuff like that it doesn't look 
different to Minecraft because they've designed it with Minecraft's aesthetic or at least Minecraft's kind of texture size in mind. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, none of this is necessarily feeling out of place to me. So, yeah, I, I mean, like you say, I, I can imagine some people will want to stick with the the classic textures and that's that's fine I, I don't think i would really notice a difference there's also community designed texture packs like faithful which have you know slightly more high resolution textures i'm sure those will continue to update and that's mm. going to be fine too like the, the texture pack side of things is always something that's been manipulatable it's always been changeable and it's always been something that the user can yeah. sort of adjust to by themselves you can you can yeah. edit the textures yourself if you want so yeah well and something that I, I mean i've lost countless hours i shouldn't say lost i've i've spent and enjoyed countless hours of, of fixing things that i think could look better in minecraft and that's it's just a matter of what kind of time you have and, and or either whether that's fixing it yourself or going and seeking out a texture pack that you like or even just a partial texture pack i mean like i'm if this becomes a real issue across the community you can guarantee that there's going to be a very simple texture pack that you can download that it takes those eight new blocks or nine new blocks and just changes them so that they look like they really look like default minecraft yes they're you know, less, less just, blurry or whatever or whatever it is you know yeah. like well i think it's the opposite if anything i would say the changes that are happening across the textures of minecraft are a result of everybody and their dog having retina displays whether yeah. it's on a, on, a, on a mobile device or a computer screen and everything is just crystal crystal clear and you're dealing with a game that is using 16-bit textures mm -hmm. uh on a 27 inch monitor like that can look dated if it's not done right and i think that that's essentially what they're doing when why we're seeing contrast changes and clarity changes as opposed to color changes or or resolution changes it's it's more about how do we make minecraft clearer at the resolutions it is at rather than changing it arbitrarily right I think that that seems to me that seems to be the mission that i'm picking up on even though they're not articulating it very well yeah um that that <laughs> seems to be what i'm ga i'm gathering is that they're just trying to make things look clearer even when you see it from six chunks away yeah you know you can still kind of say like yeah that's diorite having having it. you put it in those words it makes a lot more sense to me like there's people playing minecraft on 4k monitors now when back in when me. minecraft was yeah. first released in 2009 there were people playing it on like whatever square you know crt monitor or whatever they had <laughs> i can't even remember it at this point it's a distant the things memory. that make a bong when you turn them on yeah <laughs> yes basically <laughs> All right, mo moving this into our main discussion topic, I've got a yes. bit of bit of a segue for us. Do you think they're going to change the texture of the Ender Dragon? Ooh, because I don't think that he has happened. He hasn't yet. talked much about. He ha they haven't changed any mobs, have they? They've changed a couple of them. Skeletons and zombies look slightly different in the new. Oh, do update. they? Yeah, they've got slightly different I wish kind they, of head they would textures tell us and things. These things. Like, <laughs> they, just... they did. It was a while ago, actually. It was a while ago really? they last okay. made changes to mobs. Recently, they've been focusing more on blocks and stuff. But blazes definitely look different, and skeletons definitely look different. I, well, I, I knew think... that they looked. In the, in the beta textures, you mean? I'm talking about like recently. There hasn't been like iterations. And oh stuff. no, there haven't. There haven't been like new they haven't revisited those textures since i think they oh, kind okay. of they kind of did okay with them the first time around and nobody really had much negative feedback about them so maybe they've right. you know put those to one side but um he's mentioned that they weren't going to change the creeper because it was too iconic do you think the ender dragon is maybe also iconic enough to resist this change well the only thing that kind of comes to mind is that we spent a good deal of time talking about how much we like the texture on ray on um phantoms 
Yeah. I almost called them wraiths because they <laughs> sound like ring wraiths from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. But we, we spent a good deal of time back on our, our Phantom episode talking about how much we love the Phantom texture and mm-hmm. how much it fits, but it's brand new. I would love for them to revisit the dragon and maybe take some of the things that they've learned from making the Phantom and have the the dragon look uh, look better. The only thing that I think might be a problem is that if they add too many colors to it it's going to be easier to see and i feel like that's one of the things about the dragon fight is that when it flies up into the void you can't find it yeah like part, it is, part of the appeal of it is that it blends yeah. in with the sky and with the, yeah. the obsidian towers as part of the challenge sure yeah exactly so so i can sort of i can sort of appreciate that but i i do feel for the end dragon fight for as big a deal as is supposed to be the look of the beast is a little bit disappointing and th- yeah. i mean that could just be me coming from other things like you know you're in a in a boss fight or a raid in something like world of warcraft which which ultimately has limited graphics by today's standards as well uh but like things will feel massive like yeah really really big and the dragon feels sort of big in minecraft but it also because of the blocky ne- nature of, of minecraft i feel like they could i would be okay if they upped the model you know ha- added a little bit more more to it specifically the wings which i, I think are probably like iconic features of dragons yeah i'd like to see some changes there back um, when they back when they first introduced phantoms they had a completely different design they had really kind of flat blocky wings before they kind of segmented them and made them more like bat wings and mm-hmm. somebody in response to that i think redrew or remodeled the ender dragon with those types of wings so it was like kind of as a proof to them it's like you can have realistic looking wings you know because it was just the dragon head this kind of fat squat body and then these two little stubby wings on either side it just looked so so weird and so (laughs) pathetic but uh so the problem that i have with because i've never looked into trying to retexture a lot of stuff like that in minecraft and usually what ends up happening uh, as i've experienced with trying to retexture elytra is that you're stuck with the model i don't know how to change the model i know it's possible i know people have done it um but i'm i'm not that technical and yeah. so that's where i would i would hope from a little bit of love from Moyang on the model of the dragon to give it maybe a couple of more moving parts you know a couple of more levels of depth in geometry as opposed mm-hmm. to texture yeah so when I first met you, when we first started talking back on Citadel Cafe episode 250-something, you hadn't fought the dragon, I That's seem right. to remember. Yeah, which it feels like such a long time ago now. Now we have a podcast oh, about yeah. Minecraft, but like you hadn't fought the dragon at the time. And I can't remember. I don't think I convinced you necessarily, but I think you, you fought it, you know, a couple of months after that. So what was your first time fighting the dragon like? I wish I still had the video. I don't know if it's lost on my hard drive that that crashed or whether I don't think I managed to save the clip off of Twitch. Mm. Uh, but if I can manage to find the footage, then uh, we did record it. We streamed it. It was myself, Alistair and Matcast. And we decided to fight Dragon together on a stream as a fun community event. I think what kind of pulled me to do it was that we all were just kind of reaching endgame and we wanted shulker boxes mm-hmm. and ender, ender pearls. And there was something, there was another reason for it. I can't remember what it was. Probably, well, probably Elytra. It's funny that that, that's usually the incentive to fight the dragon now these days. The dragon is almost just like a gatekeeper to the rest of the game for people, Mm -hmm. rather than just being like a final boss that you have to arbitrarily go and defeat if you want to. Yeah, I wanted to do do some bigger building and really found that I was pillaring up and down a lot. It's like, okay, this is really getting tedious. I would very much appreciate, you know, being able to fly around and and do stuff. And um. Also, we were, I think we were coming up on 1.13, so we wanted to have it out of the way 
uh, and then be able to use Elytra to locate new, like, um, yeah, yeah, be able it, to fly and search for, for coral reefs. Definitely and, makes and exploration like easier, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so we went in and did it. As, so, I've never fought, I've still not fought the dragon on my own. We've done three dragon fights yeah. as a server, I think. But even then, it's only been two events. The first time we did it, and then immediately after we beat the dragon, we just went out exploring in the end and tried to find chokers and mm-hmm. Elytra and stuff like that. Uh, but then after that, uh, we did fight the dragon one more time, but it was or two more times, but it was in the same session. We just kind of logged in and, and did it that way. So the first experience, uh, Alistair unfortunately experienced exactly what you hinted at earlier in the show, where we all spawned in. We went, "Hey, wow, we're here. Where'd Alistair go?" And <laughs> that was that was the end of him. And just then he just dropped, and he, dropped then off the platform into the void. Yeah, and he spent ten minutes just getting back because again we didn't uh, have a lightro. We had to walk it. Like you had, there was a it was a long haul. Yeah, you know, we had all done. We had all pre-slept in beds. I made a little um, can't remember what we called it, but it was like a little base of operations in the um stronghold, yeah, so that sure. if you died, then you just kind of pop there and there you were have a base camp full of kind of thing. Yeah, chicken and some iron stuff, and we were all smart enough not to bring our best gear because we thought, well, we'd rather have a long dragon fight and mm-hmm. die losing a bunch of iron swords than we would have if we tried to bring some some diamond stuff um or if we had diamond stuff it was like the backup diamond stuff that you had from kicking around like the stuff that you either found or enchanted or whatever along the way yeah the stuff that uh, gets projectile our... protection instead of full protection and you're yeah. like oh, i'll save that one for a rainy day yeah. kind of thing yeah the other thing that i know I'm pretty sure that we put the villager breeder and the the hotel of eternity together, which is our villager trading hall. Mm-hmm. I think we put all that together before the dragon fight, so that if you did die the next day, you could go in and and spend thirty minutes and get yourself geared back up, yeah. up without much of a problem. But that's I think that's my biggest beef with the dragon fight. It's like I I went in there thinking it was going to be difficult, and it was challenging in in terms of like how stressful it was the first time but not hard yeah uh the issues that i have with watching dragon fights and and seeing that kind of stuff is the bad luck of it like i really we had a hard time trying to sort out the endermen i know that matt cast and and alistair were using pumpkins so they really couldn't see anything Mm -hmm. Uh, i was just looking at the ground the whole time which i find unexciting like yeah. it really like you want to see the fight but yet you can't look and see the fight and so that i found really frustrating but really i would rather have the dragon fight be more challenging without the random nonsense of being knocked and died with one hit yeah that is what really bugs me about it and it's it's and it's not i, I don't mean to just you know slam the mechanic in minecraft it's all video games that do this if you are ready for the thing and there's a chance that you could just get knocked off and die immediately I, not my favorite video game mechanic. There's always a level <laughs> in like Mass Effect or something where you've got to do that, and it drives me nuts. Yeah, because I'm the, I'm not that guy. I don't enjoy that challenge. The luck based fight mechanics are not the best, yeah. and yeah, obviously the the dragon's flight path is kind of randomized, but you can sort of predict when it's going to swoop down. Like it it gives mm-hmm. you a decent telegraph of that. But if you're not looking in the right direction, you don't see it, and then. The next thing you know, you're hoofed, you know, fifty blocks up into the air, and you fall to your death, or you end up going into mm-hmm. the void, and it's it's heartbreaking every time that happens. So my first yeah. my first dragon fights took place on the Xbox. Um, when oh, interesting. <laughs> the fight actually on the Xbox was very much like the version we have in Java now. Back then, they were two different fights because the oh, okay. the Xbox version was the first one to have, or what, rather, the console version was the first one to have caged end crystals and the pillars all generating in a specific place. And I think even the bedrock portal was still there. It didn't appear when you killed the dragon. But 
going to PC Minecraft in 1.8, they hadn't changed the Dragonflight over to the version we now have in Java. So I, I still had a chance to do the classic Dragonflight. And I did that on my original single-player world, because on Decidedly Vanilla, they'd already fought the dragon a long time ago, and it wasn't possible to respawn it back then, because end crystals mm. were only introduced in 1.9. So... Uh, or at least craftable end crystals, where the end crystals on top of the towers were still there. But going back and watching that, because I, I actually went back and watched my own video because I had forgotten what the old fight was like, and it feels very different. The pillars are sort of scattered randomly all across the end islands. They're all different heights and thicknesses. Like right now, you have them that are sort of different heights, and but they're all about the same width around, the same diameter. Whereas in the old fight, there were pillars of obsidian that were only kind of, you know, three blocks wide on oh, some wow. of them and they were all you know either tall and skinny or just like really squat like even like there were some that it almost looked like you could jump on top of them from the land because <laughs> they were that wow. low down um and there were no cages at that point the return portal didn't spawn until the dragon was killed and then it spawned basically underneath where the dragon died not at the zero zero coordinate in the end so that was a little uh, more unpredictable and it was entirely possible for it to spawn out in the void if that was where you killed the dragon <laughs> so that would have been a little bit weird um, oh, I think I've seen that in old Etho videos. I think yeah. I've, I've looked at it like, why is his end portal hovering above the ground? Like <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah oh, it's okay. it's really odd. And there's no dragon's breath. There are very few opportunities for melee hits because the portal isn't there. So it doesn't do that swoop down and perch atop, atop the portal for you to melee right. hit it. So you mm -hmm. basically had to go in absolutely loaded with arrows or at the very least with an infinity bow and a couple of arrows on you. It was less predictable, and I feel like probably a little more tiresome because you you know you're not only having to avoid the Enderman and so forth, but you're also having to shoot the dragon with bow and arrow more or less the entire fight. Which, if you're not that great with a bow and arrow, you're not good at leading your shots, and the dragon sort of starts turning randomly in midair, can just be a lot of missing and a lot of frustration, mm. and it takes the fight from being something a little bit tense into something that's almost a bit of a chore. So I feel mm -hmm. like the dragon fight we have now at least has a little bit more of a dynamic to it. It's at least got phases at which point you can predict the dragon's behavior a little bit better. So you're not just shooting arrows into the void for 30 minutes. Um, but yeah, I, I still I, I agree with you that I think the, the luck basis of it, the fact that you can just get hurled randomly into the void at a moment's notice kind of sucks. Um, since having done a classic dragon fight i think i might have done another one on my original patron server but i can't remember if we were on 1.9 then or not um but going back and like looking at the other times i've fought the dragon i've done it a few different ways and a few of them are kind of fun um i think i've mentioned this in a previous episode of the podcast but on the division smp which is a lightly modded smp that i was part of a couple of years ago uh, we built a ring of dispensers which dropped TNT on the towers as soon as the dragon respawned. So as soon as it respawns, that triggers <laughs> a series of explosions and all the end crystals go out one by one. Um, I recently realized that TNT is overkill because dispensers can fire eggs or arrows or snowballs. And as long as the caged crystals are taken care of, you don't need the TNT. So you don't actually need to craft that much stuff in the first place. But it was fun and it was great to... Uh, the trigger mechanism actually went wrong because one of the... Uh, towers, when they regenerate the end crystals, they explode at the top and that took out part of the trigger mechanism but uh, okay. luckily that happened late enough in the process of all the towers regenerating that it ended up triggering it right as the uh, dragon was about to respawn anyway. So the when all of the TNT dropped, it still happened because before that, I think the crystals are invincible and you can't destroy them while it's still respawning so it was right. it was tricky with the timing but I'd love to do that again. 
I feel like finding inventive ways to kill the dragon is how we keep that fight fresh and interesting. Yeah, we, we, we've turned it into a bit of, not a farm, but we've tried to make it as easy as possible because really people, they want to just beat the dragon and open up more end gate portals and eventually get all the end gate portals open and then not have to fight the dragon anymore. Yeah. Uh, I think before we get into like the alternative ways, just so I'm clear, because I'm, again, like I'm pretty kind of a noob when it comes to this kind of stuff. You, you spawn in, you got to find a place you know, bring some extra blocks with you. Probably put up something that you can get underneath in case an Enderman spots you and you have to fight them. So you put put like a too high roof over mm-hmm. one of the pillars or something like that. Sure, yeah. First part of the fight, you've got to take out the crystals that are exposed, right? Yes, because otherwise they will regenerate the dragon's health as it right. flies past them. And if you're good enough, you can do that from the ground unless they're so high up that you can't reach them. Yeah. And then the other crystals are in cages. I think it's, is it... Is it eight crystals altogether? Uh, eight, nine, ten, maybe something like that. I know there are always yeah. two in cages. There's only ever two in cages. Oh, there's only two in cages. Yeah. Hmm, I thought there was more than that. Um, so somebody has to, you know, get up there and break the cage. And mm-hmm. then well, if it's if somebody, if it's your, if you're with the team, then you can split up duties. But if it's just you, you've got to pillar up, try not to die. Yes. Uh, and that's then that's always the, the difficult part of the fight for me is either pillaring up or laddering up those because that's where you're most yeah. exposed. The dragon's going to yeah. swoop past you or fire some dragon's breath at you, which does about the equivalent of having like a splash potion of harming thrown on you constantly. <laughs> so yeah. you really need to, uh, if you bring glass bottles, you can bottle up the dragon's breath really quickly, which is the one thing that I think saved me in this most recent fight that could otherwise have killed me is it, it fireballed right. me right as I got to the top of that tower. So I couldn't pillar any further up. So I just went, okay, mm. let me grab some glass bottles real quick and bottle up some dragon's breath. And it, it just about saved me there. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, it's, it, there's a cycle of it's stopping down on the main, on the main yeah. exit it, portal. It perches. Yeah. And then, and then you can use some, some melee hits on it and until it breathes fire and then takes off again. And then it's, it's at that point, it's flying through its cycle where it's, it would be regenerating health. But if you've taken out all the end crystals, then it doesn't yeah. do that. Yeah, and is you it can end still, crystals or ender crystals? It's end crystals, I think. End um, crystals, yeah. And you can still hit it with bow and arrows while it's in the air, but then when it stops on the portal, you can't. It becomes invulnerable to arrows, and they just bounce off. So you have to right, come in you, and hit it melee at that point. Yeah, because it gives the, it that the game then has a chance that you could get hit by the dragon, like punching you essentially, or yeah. or, or smacking you, however you want to yeah. think about it. It turns yeah. around while it's perched on that portal as well, so it starts yeah. it starts breathing fire on you, and then occasionally if it'll turn sometimes it'll hit you with a wing or something and then you'll you'll go flying (laughs) so i think that it's if you're on a server it's a fun community event it's a cool thing to go in with a a few people but what i would suggest is going in there with duties you'd say okay you you know alistair you are on crystals with no cages Matcast, you are on crystals with cages uh joel you're gonna build the enderman shelter so that within minutes of being in there you know You've got an Enderman shelter with an Ender chest underneath it, and then you've got, uh, you know, with extra food and all the other things that people might need, uh, health potions and stuff. And then, and then you've got people that one person is saying where the dragon is, like ah, dragon's on me, dragon's in the middle, and then everybody just kind of goes up the towers at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. And you've got two people, you know, attempting to do all this kind of stuff, and it, I find that it it takes it down to a uh non-frustrating grind once those end crystals are done then it's just a matter of surviving and and coordinating some attacks and and when it does perch on the uh and no exit portal 
having three people there smacking it with swords i mean it only has to do a couple of cycles and you're probably going to take the dragon down definitely yeah uh, yeah i think uh, it's, so that... it's more fun with a group as well i think it's it's mm-hmm. fun being able mm-hmm. to coordinate attacks on stuff like that and you know it takes it from chaotic to something a little bit more organized and yeah ma- makes the whole experience a little bit more bearable for everybody yeah so we've got a, a setup now that i don't ever recall seeing so i don't know whether i've come up with this or not i find it hard to believe that i would be the only person with this idea but the ender dragon can destroy blocks outside of obsidian and endstone so one of the things that i find really frustrating about our particular end is is that the obsidian pillars are very tall and mm-hmm. uh, either i'm not that good with a bow or it just, it's just it's really difficult to get those um those uh caged crystals yeah specifically so uh we built two endstone towers uh using we didn't use bubble calms because then you can't get back down but you can still swim in water really fast in 1.13 compared to 1.12 so uh we built uh or i built these two endstone towers with stairs around the outside but water columns up the middle so that you can get inside of the tower go all the way up to the top because it's endstone there's no chance that the dragon is going to destroy any of it and uh you can then from the top of those towers very easily pick off half of the end crystals Mm -hmm. and and if not then you can ender pearl to the one with a cage you know and destroy the cage ender pearl back to the tower and shoot it safely so within a couple of minutes the crystals are gone yeah uh and then it's just a matter of of um of getting down to the main part and shooting the dragon and if somebody is not really keen on their on their melee skills then you can say good perch up there on top of the tower shoot the crystals and then when you're done shooting the crystals shoot the dragon until you know (laughs) until we can get it down and it it it's a lot safer it's a lot more fun we've got the bottoms of the towers have got uh enderman roofs on them so that you can duck in there and and stay safe from an enderman enderman also hate water so they're not going to try and get too close to the to the towers. so uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff that you can do. Um, the other thing, we originally had a very small Enderman farm on the main end island and for two reasons. One, to uh, get Ender Pearls, but two, uh, to distract the Enderman. So we have an Endermite, and the Endermite is in one of, a minecart above a hole, and the Endermen all flock towards mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So granted, we lose some torches when we fight the dragon, and we haven't yet lost the the ender mic but it's possible if the dragon happens to fly through the farm it'll destroy it but we haven't had that happen yet but what it means is that all the endermen at the dragon fight currently are ignoring players yeah they, they don't even care and that you know, is super just, useful <laughs> oh man i would highly recommend even if it's just a real simple even if you're not farming them like even if you're just distracting them into a pit like put an endermite in a minecart somewhere on that main end island and light up the rest of it and man it'll make your life a lot easier yeah, for sure. It's it's good to have a distraction because yeah, the Endermen are everywhere and so very eminently lookatable. <laughs> they're always yeah. they're always just standing there slightly like even when I'm looking up at the at the dragon to fire bows at it in in this most recent episode of the survival guide where I actually do the dragon fight, there's an Enderman just standing like a couple of centimeters to my right. And it's like, he's just, if, if the dragon flies over here, you're looking straight at me. And yeah. they're, they're always just in your peripheral. They're like photobombers, essentially, is what they are. They're, they yeah. just jump into your peripheral vision and, uh, and try and cause chaos. 
they get really indecisive when um, on the current setup because we fought the dragon a couple of times with this with these towers to great success. Uh, but when you're up there shooting the dragon with your bow and arrow and you're ultimately looking down at the ground, eventually you see an enderman and they like several of them will come to attack you, but they don't teleport to you because you're standing a block from a giant column of water, right? Yeah. yeah. So you when you go down and you think, okay, it's time to go down and help everyone fight the dragon, you have to go down and then think, okay... I have to exit this gingerly because there may be Endermen, more than one, like waiting for me just outside this water column. Yeah, yeah. And, and you do kind of have to do like the inside-outside water column, kind of like juke and jive just to kind of get them and, and, and kill them uh, before you can actually exit exit the, the column and, and go towards the, the fight. But, um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting, interesting mechanic. I never thought about using like automation to blow up the crystals. That's genius. Yeah, and I think... You're definitely going to post a picture of the towers you've got in the uh, in the show notes this week, right? Because, yeah, absolutely. Have you I seen that before? I, I don't think you've shown me this before. And I think a lot of people could learn from that as a strategy. If you're finding the, the Ender Dragon fight particularly difficult, or at least getting rid of those crystals, because I know, yeah, like it, it, mm-hmm. if you're not good with a bow and arrow, the fight can be incredibly tiresome and you're literally just running around fruitlessly shooting at towers. So give these a try, because if yeah. you're building it out of Endstone, the dragon can't destroy them, that's... That's what you need <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know. I mean, this is this is good for second fights. I can't see having the time to do this in the first fight. Mm-hmm. I don't. Th- you'd have yeah, to go you, in with a team of people. Yeah, you wouldn't have time and to you'd build have to them. mine. You'd have to mine everything first, right? Because if in order for them to be really effective, they have to be endstone. Although I'm curious to see what happens with 1.14 and uh, dragon fights, because if you've got enough scaffolding with you, getting up to the top of those towers is going to be <laughs> fast. I hadn't even thought about fast. scaffolding. That's going to be a fun a fun introduction. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to pillar up. You can just bang at it from the bottom and just climb up the middle and be done. Before we wrap up, I want to share one more story about approaching the end, but not actually fighting the Ender Dragon. Because there was a, a time at which we wanted, on the Decidedly Vanilla server season three, I think, we wanted to do the dragon fight as a community, but we couldn't get a whole group together all at one specific time. And I wanted to get some Endstone brick specifically. Uh, which meant getting some endstone, and I wanted that for my museum build that I was doing. And I decided that we should do it kind of like a heist on the end where we spawned in (laughs) on the platform. We didn't take any important gear with us, just a couple of pickaxes, something that we could just easily throw in an ender chest. We mined out basically the entire center of the end island, not not like to the the, the point where there was only a couple of blocks between us and the, the surface, but we, we mined out a whole bunch of endstone from that, threw it all in an ender chest, you know, put in any valuable stuff that we had brought with us and all leapt into the void. And so when we respawned in the overworld, we hadn't fought the dragon or anything, but we had a ton of endstone. And I feel like that was one of my favorite things to do because of course you can't go back to the overworld through the portal until you've killed the dragon, but you can still get back if you hurl yourself into the void and respawn in the overworld. So I, th- I thought that was a lot of fun. I think that's that's yeah. something I'd like to repeat in future. And there are some really fun that's ways of taking down the dragon as well. Some people have fought it with using the the way um, beds explode in the end. You, you wait until the dragon swoops down. You right-click on a bed. It explodes in the dragon's face. That's really fun. I like stuff like that. But it's something I would never <laughs> dare to do because I'm terrible at getting like too close to those beds. And they explode with the force of a charged creeper when you do that. <laughs> so right. it can get very, very dangerous. But uh, yeah, there's lots of ways of... Of fighting the dragon and folks if you want to get in touch and let us know your favorite you know ender dragon fight stories you can do so of course but that's probably going to be our show for today wrapping up another episode 
of the Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we talked about today, including Joel's picture of his Endstone Towers at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you feel like sharing in the generous gift of giving this Christmas season, this holiday season, uh, why not consider supporting us on Patreon? You can head to patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join the community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and get us closer to our next Patreon goal of turning one of the episodes every month into a roundtable discussion. We're currently sitting at 30 patrons. Looks like we're down a little bit from last month. We know that wallets get tight around this time of year, so obviously we don't hold a grudge, but it would be great to get a new, a few new people through the door and talking in the Discord. I think that would be an excellent uh, thing for potentially um, parents that listen with kids uh, as a Christmas gift. Yeah, for sure. It'd be, a, it'd be a lot of fun. Sharing the podcast with your friends is one of the easiest ways to support the show. It costs you nothing to just tell folks that you enjoy this show. And if they play Minecraft, they should listen to. It still goes a very long way for an early podcast uh, by just personal recommendations. And we really, really appreciate it. You can also find us on social media. The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com and tell us about your epic dragon fight. You can also find The Spawn Chunks on your favorite podcast platform or podcast app. That includes iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify. The RSS feed is linked on thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page and that is the only place that you can listen to Render Distance. My name is Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I have a Minecraft survival guide series for beginners, and you can see exactly how easily I take down the dragon. <laughs> my multiplayer Let's Play series called Decidedly Vanilla is also there, and I have a couple of time lapses going up from my Sky Factory modded series. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and I stream three days a week on Twitch, where these days I'm finishing up playing Final Fantasy VIII, but I stream Sky Factory on weekends if you're into that Minecraft thing. Aside from that, I'm at pixel riffs on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online everything that i am doing online including my illustration and design portfolio and new web store is at joelduggan.com links to everything is there but if you're interested in finding me on social media it's just my name across youtube twitter twitch and instagram as i mentioned at the top of the show i am uh, included in season three of the realm of vastin on youtube so you can check that out there more than likely i'm going to be doing streaming content as opposed to let's play so you can check me out on twitch and also check the vods on youtube i've been posting my uh my edited clips uh, of my twitch streams on youtube lately other than that i do the citadel cafe podcast a show about sci-fi and geeky entertainment that is quickly coming up on episode 300 later this month and comics coast to coast where my friends brian and matt and i interview comic creators illustrators and animators thanks for visiting the spawn chunks the world outside is infinite get out there and kill a dragon no pressure <laughs>